We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. You'll see I have my uh, two compadres with me today. Uh, to my right, this is Danny Panter. He's our, one of our associate pastors who typically preaches in our band-led service that we call Lagos. And today was supposed to be my day to preach in Lagos, and so uh, we didn't get that opportunity, or I didn't get that opportunity today. And then to my left is Scott Lane. Scott is our executive pastor for ministry and really does just about everything around here. So we're grateful for Scott, but Scott was going to preach in our traditional service today while I was in our Lagos service. And so Scott was well prepared for today. And so we're gonna, we're gonna reap the, the blessings of that preparation. But I wanna remind you before we, we get to, to these and, and Danny and Scott uh, share their thoughts, that we practice what we call here reverse. One text, all week long for everything, for everybody. So you get the same text multiple times a week. And this week, our so services, we're going to focus in on Daniel chapter 7. And Daniel chapter 7 is a pivotal chapter because in Daniel chapter 7, we move to the apocalyptic literature that we find in Daniel. We move to Daniel's visions and dreams, and, and we, we see things that we're not used to seeing in the rest of Scripture outside of apocalyptic literature. And so things take a turn here in Daniel chapter 7, and so we're going to jump in right there. In fact, Danny's going to begin for us, and so Danny, will you help us maybe put apocalyptic literature in, in a light that we can understand? I mean, we often think about uh, the beasts and fire and those kinds of things, it, and, and it can seem daunting when we think about apocalyptic literature, but, but help us as we move into the second half of Daniel. Um, what do you see, what do you hear when you think of apocalyptic literature? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, Daniel already hinted that he was going to be headed this direction back in Daniel chapter 2 mm -hmm. when we first saw Nebuchadnezzar's vision. Um, and so, yes, from chapter 7 almost to the end, except for chapter 9, there's a vision one after the other mm -hmm. that we would classify as apocalyptic literature. And you're right. Um, in, in that type of apocalyptic literature, we see a lot of that imagery of, of beasts and dragons and um, fire, and it's captivating and mm -hmm. on purpose, mm -hmm. right? And uh, something to remember when we think about apocalyptic literature is those who are receiving this have seen it. So even Daniel chapter 7, Daniel saw. If you go to Revelation, John saw. And so they're simply trying to capture what God had revealed to them in a vision. So they're just trying to put to paper, I'm trying to describe what I saw. And they're doing the best they can. Obviously, uh, they have the gifting of the Holy Spirit to lead them to write that as well. So knowing that they're writing what they have seen, they're not capturing every single detail that explains everything mm -hmm. in that particular picture. So, so that's that's really good to hold on to. But what in the world is apocalyptic literature to begin with? So the best way to, I think to understand apocalyptic literature is that God uses this literature in order to reveal to us a picture or an image of what He is doing in human history. In yeah. particular, as He intends to bring human history as we know it to a close. Yeah. 
And it's right. kind of like the box led, uh, lid to uh, a, juzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, mm-hmm. where uh, you, know, you have this mix of jigsaw puzzle pieces, but the lid kind of gives you that image of what those pieces are to look like when they fit together. Yeah. And that's really the intent of apocalyptic literature, to paint for us that very, very broad, broad uh, picture. And it's very, very uh, helpful um, in that. So it's kind of like a guide. Um, it points us in the right direction in understanding what God is yeah. doing. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the main components of apocalyptic literature is knowing that God wants us to know what He's doing. Yeah. You know, Jesus told his disciples in the New Testament, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. That's right. Because uh, what the Father has told me, I'm telling you. You know what I am doing. And this is true for apocalyptic literature. That God says, I'm not trying to be obscure and withhold things from you. I'm telling you what I'm about and what I'm doing. And that's, that's, that's really, really cool. So, um, just a few other things sure. about apocalyptic literature that I think can be very, very helpful for us. Usually, uh, from Daniel or Ezekiel or even in Revelation, we see three major players in apocalyptic literature. We see, uh, we see the kingdoms of men. We see the world. And in the kingdoms of men, we see hubris, we see arrogance, and we see a very targeted focus against the people of God. That's one major player. Uh, and then we usually see the people of God or the saints of God, or in our case, the church uh, and the last player always is God yeah. um, and how God responds um, to the world and its arrogance and how God reminds his people that he is there and is not going to allow the enemy to be victorious over his people and then obviously ushering in his yeah. own kingdom. Yeah. Amen. I've, I've been reading through Ezekiel lately and over and over God just says time and time again, this is so you know who I am. This is yes. so you know my glory. This is so you yeah. know my name. And so that the church does better understand who God is. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. We get so caught up in the details of these visions mm-hmm. and we think it's so confusing. What is God doing? What, who is this? And when is this going to happen? Where God is just saying, I'm not giving this to you so that you can be confused. I want you to know who I am and what I'm doing, that you can know that you have not been forgotten, Uh, that I I know what is being done. I know the wickedness of the world, and I will bring justice, and I will bring peace. I'm not trying to make things weird and confusing. I want to show you who I am and what I'm doing. Exactly. No, I think you're exactly right, Danny, that, that in all of that, and you get, get to any of these apocalyptic works, and especially the book of Revelation, God does say just that. Yeah. In the end, you will find peace and justice, or God will bring peace and justice. Absolutely. Um, and that's a, that's a beautiful picture. Scott, so help us get into Daniel mm-hmm. chapter 7. So if you, you study, you had a sermon ready over Daniel chapter 7. Where do you find hope in this apocalyptic literature? and in these images of Daniel chapter 7. Okay, well the first, the first thing, the first line is, is the, it's the first year of Belshazzar's reign as king. And what's happening in the, in the country of Babylonia is, is Babylon is, is there's sweeping change. There's un, it's unsettled, it's uh, disturbing, it's disruptive. It's, it's for personally, for Daniel, all these things uh, 
are happening. There's, there's distance. There's mm-hmm. social distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that he worked with, the people that he had good rapport with, the people that he loved and could count on him were removed. He was removed. And so even professionally, yeah. uh, he, he was out of a job. He was put back on the shelf and, and was kind of idle. And so uh, one of the things that, that gives me great hope from this chapter is even in this midst of uncertainty and this disruption, uh, and, and it's the first year. We don't know if it's weeks mm-hmm. or months into, into his reign, but what we know is it's fresh. I mean, it's, yeah. it's happening and it's in the moment. And so Daniel is in this moment. One of the great things is God is speaking. God is working in Daniel's life. And so in the midst of all these things that are uncertain, the certainty is, and that Daniel hangs on to is, that God is speaking to him. God is working in his life to reveal himself. Like, like Danny said, with, with this vision, but he's, he's revealing himself and who he is and his plans for redeeming the people, the children of God, the church. He's, he's beginning to communicate that in a way maybe that's never happened in Scripture. Yeah. And so uh, that gives me great hope for today, even in circumstances like we find ourselves in this week or this last month, God is speaking. He continues to be who he is. He's not changing. Yeah. And so he has a word. And the other thing that I found great comfort in for me, and one of the things I'm learning in this season is that Daniel had everything he needed to hear and be close to God. Even in all that frustration, even yeah. in all the pain, e- even being in the diaspora, even being separated from his home, he still had everything he needed. He did. He, he had a determination to be with God. He had a discipline. He, he had prayer. He had moments where his faith was interactive with God. He would pray. He would listen. He would search the scriptures. We know he probably had the prophets. He had the law. And so he would meditate on the scripture. And he had God's presence to help him. I love what Paul says to Timothy, if you'll think on these things, God will give you insight into yeah. them. And, and that's the same thing that's happened for, for generations and centuries, and, that God continues to bless this, his scripture and cause it to reveal himself, his plans, yeah. not just about him, but for us and for hope and for peace and for joy in the midst of this uncertainty in these times. And so, and that, uh, that relates perfectly to today, right? I mean, Danny and I need, need that message today, don't we? I mean, absolutely. I mean, how, do, how does that relate speci- specifically to what we're going through right now? That God stands ready to speak. God stands ready to be near. God is ready to talk. He's ready for us to listen and that we can have a vibrant faith in the midst of an uncertain time, in, in the midst of crises in the midst of being unsettled. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And I, I think that um, just to add to that, um, one of the God's desires for us is to live now in the present. I mean, He, right. he speaks to us so that we can't just kind of do nothing but to live ready. In fact, Jesus says over exactly. and over again in Matthew 23 and 24, mm-hmm. when He starts talking about the end, He says, just be ready. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. Live now in the present. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, thank you, fellas. Let's, if y'all would, would you, would you turn with me to, to Daniel chapter 7? I, I want us to read together some, some of this. Daniel 7, and look down with me, 9 through 14. So I'm, I'm going to read that for us. Daniel 7, verse 9. I kept looking, 
until the thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and his hair, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon, uh, myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and the body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be lost at sea. It sounds terrible. I've been in a small boat offshore, and even in the slightest waves, you bounce up and down. I can't imagine a a scenario of being stuck in a lifeboat bobbing across the Pacific with no land in sight. It must be terrifying. If you were floating for days on end, I don't know how you would keep your sanity. We would all end up like Tom Hanks talking to a volleyball. You couldn't help it. It, It's it's the same red raft day after day. It's the same MREs for all of your meals. And with every wave, you have to wonder, is this the one that's going to tip you over and end it all? On the calmest of days, the raft would be unbearable. But when the wind picked up and the storms raged, I don't know how you'd make it. The rain and the waves would torture our fragile minds. Interestingly, this was a common motif in the ancient world. The open ocean was considered the realm of chaos. Many thought of the seas as a perfect metaphor for the chaos of life, as if the deepest waters held the darkest demons. It's a good analogy for life in the way many of us feel right now, stuck, weakened, waiting for the storm to blow over our life raft. And Daniel agrees, or even the heavenly vision agrees. It's as we read earlier in chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, as Daniel sees the vision, the winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Four great beasts were coming up. That's what we see in verses 2 and 3. And so we picture life kind of like this, that we're all out there on our red life raft in the middle of the churning waves. On one side is a grotesque creature, and on another, and on another, and on another. Daniel starts to identify these creatures, kind of like a lion, kind of like a bear, almost like a leopard. The the fourth creature, it's so grotesque, Daniel doesn't even try to identify it. It turns out all the beasts are various kings, each one grotesque in his own right, all of them corrupted in sin and power until they start to devour their own. It, it's, it's like you're out there on your own life raft fighting the rain and a feeding frenzy begins underneath your little red raft. There is never any peace. 
Yeah, there's historical detail in this passage too. You'll find as you study the kings and the beasts. But beyond all of that, what you need to hear this morning out of Daniel chapter 7 is that there's never any peace in that. You're never going to find any peace sitting in your little red raft floating adrift. You'll be bailing water your entire life, and that's all there is. You see, the world is full of evil and corruption, and it'll continue to beat you down until it's over. There's no peace in that little red raft. There's, There's nothing on board that will help you save yourself. You are never going to be able to navigate out of this. You can't paddle fast enough with your weak little arms. This life is nothing but brutal and tragic the way most of us live it. That's life. But then Daniel saw something else. It was as if the waves stopped and the waters parted to reveal an orderly courtroom. That is life with God. Our God, the Ancient of Days, takes his seat, and a whole attendant, a whole group of attendants come to him in perfect harmony. Everything is right, it's in its place. All of those corrupt and grotesque political leaders are punished and replaced by the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself. That's what we read earlier in verses 13 and 14. I kept looking, and behold, the clouds of heaven, and one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days, presented before him, and to him given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that that everyone will bow and serve him. His dominion is everlasting. He will not pass away. His kingdom will never be destroyed. You see, there is peace, and then there was peace. When, When the Son of Man comes... That is the only place where you will find peace. That is the only hope that we have in this life. There's no hope in the life raft. There's no hope in the chaos. There's no hope in the ocean. There's no hope within yourself. The only hope is found in the coming of the one, the Messiah, the Son of Man. And then there is peace. You see, you're not going to find that peace under the raft or on some deserted island. You're not going to find it within yourself. The beast Beneath the crashing waves are too much, and we are too fragile. The only way that you're going to find peace through this is to surrender your life unto Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're always going to feel like you're stuck at sea. Even when we're out of the pandemic, you're still going to feel like you're stuck at sea without Jesus Christ. See, even on our good days, we are stuck without him. But with him and in him, you have a savior. Jesus is the way out. He's the way out of all of it. He's the way out of the pain and frustration of life. Whenever we're stuck or wherever you are stuck today, Jesus is the answer. See, if, we've never, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. Hand it over to him. And and even if you gave your life to Jesus Christ years ago, we must daily pick up our cross and follow him. 1 Corinthians 15 says that, that we die daily. It's as if we are crucifying that flesh and that old self with Jesus Christ every single day so that we may live a new life. 
And we have a new lifestyle that renders the sea and all that is within it powerless in the power and name of Jesus Christ. We get caught up in a lot of things in life. That's one of the things that we've recognized in quarantine, that, that, that we're caught up in a lot of things. And so many of them just don't matter. You see, if you take away anything from these days, it must be that your relationship with Jesus Christ is your number one priority. Number one, every single day, we will commit our lives to the cause of Jesus Christ and serve him and follow him wherever he goes. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We pray that your spirit would come, break into our hearts, and give us new life. And it's in the name that is above every other name that we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.